the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. As a constitutional law attorney, former senior legal advisor and personal counsel to President Donald J. Trump, Jenna Ellis believes in the rule of law and the importance of integrity in our elections. And she's ready to tackle the big cultural and legal issues facing America. This is The Jenna Ellis Show. Here is your host, Jenna Ellis. Happy Wednesday, friends, or as the left would tell you, Insurrection Eve. Uh, If you have seen any of the ridiculous, uh, just overbroad and extreme coverage that the mainstream media has given to the anniversary of January 6th, which is also Epiphany. And I love my friend Michael Knowles' post saying uh, he can't wait to celebrate the great event tomorrow, of course, meaning Epiphany, not uh, the alleged insurrection. Uh, I want to talk about that and why this is such an emphasis on the term insurrection and why the left is just not going to let that go uh, beyond what we've already talked about with the January 6th committee, uh, the select committee, and you know all of the other things that you all are very much aware of. Uh, one, because you've listened to this podcast faithfully, and I thank you for that, but also because you're very well-informed people. Uh, but first, I want to talk about another headline that I started out my morning on Twitter this morning. Um, if any of you saw the snowstorm that happened since Monday, I was actually one uh, that got caught in that. I was trying to fly to D.C. on Monday, and thankfully, as it turned out, my flight got canceled. Um, so I ended up just getting back to D.C. Uh, literally moments ago. And uh, all of this was just so crazy how um, I-95, there were stranded drivers for literally hours in the snowstorm. Um, Senator Tim Kaine was apparently driving up Monday from Richmond, was stuck for 27 hours on the freeway. Um, This was a disaster of epic proportions. And of course, for the Biden administration, uh, where Kamala Harris tweeted a couple of really... uh, really, really poorly timed things about let's get America going. And uh, this is all about the infrastructure bill. And that was kind of hilarious. But the best and perfect example of the left came this morning. Uh, Somebody on Twitter, who her name is Rosemary Potter, if that's even her real name, who knows, it might be a bot. But uh, she tags Glenn Youngkin, who, of course, uh, is the current governor-elect of Virginia, and says, at Glen Youngkin, hundreds are stranded on I-95 in Virginia for hours. Does Governor Youngkin care? Of course not. Proof Virginia voted for the wrong person for governor. Someone responds and says, Youngkin ain't governor yet. Still the other guy, who of course is the Democrat. And rather than saying, oh, Well, good to know, and hopefully this is a lesson for Yunkin or, you know, something remotely reasonable. Rosemary Potter, being the bright leftist that she is, uh, completely the willful blindness, cognitive dissonance, responds with, Thank goodness, Governor Northam has put together teams to clear the highway and take stranded drivers food and drinks. He cares. 
Seriously, this is such an example of how the left denies reality. And even when you confront them with facts, they don't respond in any way rational. They simply continue their argument. And how this woman was was rightfully totally mocked on Twitter today. And that was the first thing actually that I saw. And I just put good morning with uh, the retweet of that post. It's actually a lesson as well for conservatives, because a lot of people um, who are very well-meaning, Republicans, MAGA, everything, uh, often will critique or criticize or question me when I say something that is remotely critical of Republicans. And this is where a reasonable leftist or Democrat would criticize Governor Northam for uh, not actually providing assistance. And he came out later and said, well, these are all the motorists' fault. These are the drivers. We told them to stay off the roads. They didn't do it. So, oh, well, and completely didn't take responsibility for the utter failure of emergency management. And this was a true emergency. This is something where uh, the emergency powers of government can be, of the executive branch, can be uh, enacted and can be used. But let's say that, you know, two years from now, uh, Governor Northam is still, well, he won't be the governor by then, haha, to uh, Ms. Potter. But uh, let's just say that the governor was still using the same emergency powers for a snowstorm that was two years ago. That's where we're at in this country with COVID. Um, but the bottom line here is that we need to be rational and genuine conservatives. And when even it's someone on our own side that is acting in a way that deserves criticism, we don't have to necessarily slam them. I mean, sometimes I do because genuinely that's worth it. Uh, and it's it's for my own personal credibility as well. But we have to make sure that we are calling out the people on our own side to hold them accountable because otherwise we get caught in this trap that this Rosemary Potter lady uh, did on Twitter. And when she was criticizing the governor that she thought was a Republican, and it turns out it was a, it's still the governor is a Democrat and the member of her own party, she couldn't suck it up and say, oh, okay, well, I guess uh, he didn't handle this well, or even just admit that she got it wrong. And so when we are genuine conservatives. That means, as President Trump used to always say, that means that this is country over party. And as most of you know, I very publicly left the Republican Party uh, because of um, so many of the lies and just uh, ridiculous responses uh, and lack of response from the RNC uh, chairwoman, primarily her, her chief counsel, uh, her chief GOP counsel that should have been fired, she promised uh, would be fired, and, and all of the aftermath of, you know, everything uh, post-2020. And yet, even when I was still a registered Republican, I would call out my fellow Republicans, and I still am willing, as an unaffiliated voter now, I am still willing to call out people and speak the truth. That's what we're called to do as Christians. We are not called to defend our coalition in expense and without the truth. Um, so we have to make sure that we are standing firm and that we will not get caught up in the uh, tailspin that happened to Rosemary Potter. And this is an example of when you are so dedicated to hyper-partisan politics that you can't even appreciate the truth when it smacks you square in the face on Twitter. We need to be better than that as conservatives.
Okay, so let's talk about the main issue today, which, of course, on this uh, January 6th eve, uh, is the leftist term, this, you know, insurrection. But first, uh, I want to talk about my friends at Legacy Precious Metals. Of course, you know that the Biden administration has caused a financial crisis and they have no clue how to fix it. Oil prices have skyrocketed. When oil prices go up, not only do your expenses go up, but the cost of transportation and shipping spikes, leading the prices of goods to rise. We're already seeing record inflation, and that is the last thing that we need. Our economy is in trouble, and you need to take steps to protect yourself. If all your money is tied up in stocks, bonds, and traditional markets, you may be vulnerable, and gold is one of the best ways to protect your retirement. No matter what happens, you own your own gold. It's real, it's physical, and it's always been valuable since the dawn of time. Legacy Precious Metals is the company I trust for investing in gold. They can help you roll your retirement account into a gold-backed IRA where you still own the physical gold. They can also ship gold and precious metals safely and securely to your house. So call Legacy Precious Metals today at 866-528-1903 or visit them online at LegacyPMInvestments.com. That's 866-528-1903 or visit them online at LegacyPMInvestments.com. Okay, so January 6th, this is the day that supposedly our democracy died and uh, the left, there are just absurd headlines this week that every day is January 6th. And um, there was a piece about one of the officers who, who was saying, I still have PTSD a year later. Well, maybe you're in the wrong line of work then um, if you, you know, if, if that's what's going on. And not at all to diminish the fact that crimes were committed by individuals that day. Breaking and entering is still a crime. It should be prosecuted. Uh, The investigations that are ongoing in terms of the actual crimes by the actual authorities, I'm not talking about the select committee that's completely abusing congressional oversight, uh, but the actual law enforcement, those things are entirely legitimate. And I absolutely condemn uh, any sort of criminal activity, including occupying a public building without authorization. But, and this is a key thing, occupying a public building without authorization or even breaking and entering doesn't sound as sexy to the left as insurrection, right? Because insurrection, it's treasony. It's uh, it's something that seems much, much, much more of a, a genuine threat to our country than what was posed on January 6th. Now, going back to that day and the actual conduct of Congress that day, uh, there are people like uh, Senator Josh Hawley, uh, Senator Ted Cruz, and others who were willing to debate, to object to the electoral certifications and have that debate. That has happened in American history. That even happened in 2016 when it was Trump versus Hillary. But of course, the Democrats like to forget about that. They like to forget about history. They like to rewrite history. They like to rewrite the law, ignore the law, and they like to rewrite terminology to fit whatever reality they project. And so on January 6th, which is the day that is designated in the Electoral Count Act, that the certifications from the state are opened by Congress, presided by uh, the president of the Senate, the vice president. They're supposed to open the certifications, and if the certifications uh, pass the standards that are set forth by federal law, they're counted, and that is how we actually elect a president of the United States. 
unlike what so many of the leftists will tell you, the popular vote does not matter. It all matters what the electoral college vote count is. And that's why it's so important to make sure that the certifications are accurate. And if any member of Congress has a reason to object, they can do that. And based on the rules, there can be debate over it. Um, that's the, that's the role of Congress by law and by the Constitution when the certifications are presented for the slates of the Electoral College. Now, some who were advocating for President Trump, uh, some you know very well-meaning people, had other theories about what the vice president actually had the constitutional authority to do. I was never a proponent, I'm still not a proponent, that Mike Pence, then the sitting vice president, could choose which slate of electoral uh, college votes to, to actually pick and accept as uh, the certification. That's not the rule because then basically all you're doing is giving one person the unilateral authority in the office of vice president to select the slates for the next president. That's not the role. It is a ministerial function, but it's not merely a ministerial function because the Electoral Count Act also requires a final adjudication of any of the objections or uh, lawsuits that are filed regarding certifications. That hadn't happened. There were still open cases that the Supreme Court ultimately mooted out saying, well, it just doesn't matter anymore after uh, Biden was sworn in on January 20th. But uh, there was, in my opinion, a reasonable argument and a constitutionally appropriate argument to say that he could have simply not counted either slate from either of uh, from any of the states where there were still live ongoing cases and controversies, and simply directed the question back to the state legislatures to say which of these slates was actually certified according to your state law. And then according to the U.S. Constitution in Article 2, Section 1.2, it says that the state legislatures have the plenary authority, meaning absolute, it's just their jurisdiction and their constitutionally delegated authority to then select which uh, slate is presented to Congress. They have to do that according to the method and the law that they have established for their state. So leading up to this, when senators and uh, representatives were objecting and there were still live debate, that is completely lawful. That's actually appropriate uh, for a senator or sitting member of Congress to say, hey, I have some concerns. I object to this. Uh, but then ultimately what happened on January 6th with um, this mostly peaceful protest, right, using the left's term for that, because mostly, um, you know, all the people on the ellipse were uh, were listening to President Trump, were completely peaceful. And then some people and um, and we still don't know exactly, you know, the outcome of some of these cases, but some people uh, broke into the Capitol. They have, um, for the most part, already been indicted. Some have already um, taken plea agreements, pled guilty to occupying a public building. But not one, importantly, not one single person from January 6th has been charged with a quote unquote insurrection. And that's important because the left is trying to 
uh, perpetuate this false narrative, and it is false, that what happened on January 6th was actually an insurrection. And if you actually look at the definition of insurrection, it means a violent uprising against an authority or government. Now, going into a Capitol building uh, against authorization does not constitute insurrection. I hate to break it to the leftists, but even if those criminals, and we'll call them criminals because they committed crimes, uh, were successful in driving out Congress, they were successful in delaying the proceedings, um, that would still not render our government uh, any more crippled or in any way change the composition of Congress or have anything to do with our method of government. That's not actually overthrowing the government to occupy the United States Capitol. Isn't that a good thing? Aren't we so glad that our founders in their wisdom saw fit to not have a king and, and they had learned from the Middle Ages that did have insurrections and violent uprisings and usurpations and, you know, uh, the, the whole phrase and motto that it is... Um, it says, you know, uneasy is the head that wears the crown. Well, that's for a reason, because if you have all powers of government vested in one person and you have no succession plan, you have no peaceful transition of power, then uh, th that person is ripe for a violent insurrection. Right. So the terms matter, though. And um, it was it's been very interesting to me to watch over this last year. Uh, how the left has tried to use this purposefully just as a political target to take down President Trump. They are going well beyond the bounds of what actually happened, what the facts show, what uh, the criminal charges actually show. And they continue to use this term insurrection purposefully. And one of the things that I think was uh, very, very obvious is back in December, December of 2021, so Almost a year after this event, Mark Elias, who is one of the chief uh, DNC lawyers, he was one that uh, helped orchestrate all of these lawsuits ahead of the 2020 election to try to legalize ballot harvesting, to get um, to defend some of these executive orders that went outside the bounds of what the law for elections had been established by the legislature. Um, he's basically a tool of the left, and he's trying to genuinely undermine democracy by forcing through uh, some of these court cases that are actually undermining genuine election integrity. And when we talk about election integrity, that's also a manipulated sort of hot button, you know, the big lie sort of term from the left that they want to quiet and silence every conservative who wants to talk about genuine election integrity. And words matter because um, election integrity should not be a partisan issue. We should all understand that our government was established of the people, by the people, for the people, and we the people are the ones who select and prefer who we put in office in government. And election integrity matters because our rule of law matters. And so how it, it was initially set up in the Electoral College uh, at our founding was that the state legislatures who were put in office, these representatives of We the People, were put in office by their own constituencies of their states. Now, all of the states of the United States in the Union participate in the Electoral College. All of them participate in the Electoral College because we are electing 
a chief magistrate, a president of the United States. Now, it used to matter that states actually had more sovereignty and had more authority than our federal government. We were supposed to have a weaker federal government that only stuck to the specific limited powers of Article I, Section 8. Um, Of course, that has been massively flipped on its head to where states are now beholden mainly because of federal dollars to whatever the federal government, which has become this behemoth of of unconstitutional agencies and of unconstitutional mandates and of unconstitutional even legislation from Congress, that they don't have the authority or jurisdiction to pass legislation on anything that they want. And so the federal government has become so massive that the state legislatures have become so severely diminished in their role within the entire construct of federalism. And so while state and local authorities matter um, to state issues and each uh, person who's actually involved in politics in their state understands that. But even through the mainstream media, we've seen this kind of overarching emphasis just on national news and on the federal government and members of Congress are vastly more popular and uh, celebrity-like status than the people of uh, who are the representatives of the state government. And that's sad to me. Um, I mean, obviously, Congress has a different role, and there's nothing wrong with having members of Congress on media. I've had, you know, Jim Jordan, others um, on my show who are members of Congress, and they comment for a reason. It's national business. But when our electoral college was first established, The emphasis and the sole authority was given to the state legislatures because our founders understood that participating in this system of the Electoral College not only would be a safeguard to protect our federal elections, but also would allow the state legislatures to be removed from, hopefully, uh, corruption and influence or even being misled like some of the voters might be. And so initially, however, the state legislatures decided to send and certify their slates of electoral delegates, that was who was sent on behalf of that state. Um, It wasn't actually until 1824 that at least half of the states then, um, obviously we didn't have 50 at the time, um, that at least over half the states had a popular vote within the state to determine what slate would be sent to the Electoral College. So when you have this notion of the popular vote and, you know, oh my gosh, uh, Donald Trump lost the popular vote, well, it actually doesn't matter in the context and understanding of our system. And so the the founders also, and, you know, Federalist 64 by Alexander Hamilton is one of the best. I really encourage you to go and read that document fully to understand why They preferred an electoral college. Um, But this matters because when all of the states participate in electoral college, they send their slates and what purport to be certifications. Then Congress has to open that. They have to actually count the slates. And then when the delegates uh, of the certified slates cast their vote, then we have a president. And so in 2020, when you have this system that um, has really been not only misunderstood but purposefully misconstrued by the left, 
you have all of these different words and phrases that they have also harnessed and manipulated to make it sound like President Trump and his allies and um, you know, even me as part of his legal team you know, we're trying somehow to undermine democracy, right? Um, even separate and apart from what actually happened on January 6th, when they use this term overturn an election, the left wants you to believe that that term means overthrow a legitimate government and a legitimate chief magistrate. They want you to think that when President Trump used the term overturn, that it means insurrection and that it means undermining legitimate authority. And we want to overturn valid results. What they refuse to admit is that the entire election integrity effort of 2020 was all about getting to the right, appropriate, legitimate vote count. That's all that it's about. And contests and case filings and pleading directly to members of the state legislature are all part of our constitutionally protected right to redress of grievances. And President Trump, as a candidate for president in 2020, absolutely had the constitutionally protected right to challenge the vote count and say, wait a minute, did each of these states actually count all of their votes and certify their electoral slates according to the state law, according to the method that's prescribed in the Constitution. The left would have you believe that somehow redress of grievances in this context is an overthrow of democracy. How incredibly absurd. But it gets even worse than that. Because going back to Mark Elias, when he tweeted on December 20th, it actually clicked for me why they're using this term insurrection completely out of context and they refuse to give up that word because I've been saying for a year and, you know, Sebastian Gorka and um, Eric Metaxas and Dinesh D'Souza and all of, you know, my great friends here at Salem, we've all been saying that nobody's charged with insurrection. Like, what are you guys talking about? And this is just an overblown thing by the left to make it seem like our country was in peril um, in a worse way than the actual crimes that were committed. And again, actual crimes were committed, but not the crime of insurrection. Okay, but it clicked for me more when Mark tweeted this, and they're just so shameless. He tweeted on December 20th, 2021. His handle is at Mark Elias. If you want to go and check this out, I mean, you know, don't take my word for it. Go check out this tweet. It's at M A R C E E L I A S, because I guess he's Mark E Elias. And he said, my prediction for 2022, before the midterm election, we will have a serious discussion about whether individual Republican House members are disqualified by Section 3 of the 14th Amendment from serving in Congress. We may even see litigation. Ooh, foreshadowing. So what does Section 3 of the 14th Amendment to the United States Constitution say? Well, remember, the 14th Amendment is part of the Reconstruction Amendments after the Civil War. And so put that in context, right? Section 3 says, No person shall be a senator or representative in Congress or elector of president and vice president or hold any office civil or military, under the United States or under any state who, having previously taken an oath as a member of Congress or as an officer of the United States 
or as a member of any state legislature or as an executive or judicial officer of any state to support the Constitution of the United States shall have engaged in, here's the key word, insurrection or rebellion against the same or given aid or comfort to the enemies thereof. But Congress may, by a vote of two-thirds of each house, remove such disability. This is their game plan. The reason that they are so focused on this term insurrection is because they are preparing for litigation to make a false, absurd, and preposterous conclusion that simply because there were members of Congress that objected, which is part of the law, law-abiding objections to certifications on January 6th that somehow this makes these Congress members complicit in and aiding and abetting what they are falsely calling an insurrection. The reason the left will not let this go is because they are trying to oust Republican House members and possibly senators and disqualify them because they shall have engaged in an insurrection after previously taking an oath as an officer of the United States. This is disgusting. This is a manipulation of our U.S. Constitution and the reason that they will not, will not factually assert the truth of what actually happened on January 6th, the reason the select committee is going after President Trump and any of his allies as hard as they can, is because they know they can't win without manipulating the law and without cheating. This is completely cheating. This is trying to shoehorn into the 14th Amendment something that didn't happen. They are trying to fabricate an insurrection so that they can disqualify Republican House members and they won't lose the majority in 2022. I can't emphasize to you how absolutely just completely unconstitutional, unlawful, immoral, unethical, um, just horribly evil this is. But this is the Democrats. And they're not even hiding it. They're openly, their, their chief lawyer is out there on Twitter bragging about it. He's saying, my prediction, we may even see litigation. You almost see the smug look on his face as he's tweeting this. Because he's foreshadowing what their plan is. So their play, and the reason the Democrats' narrative is falsely calling January 6th an insurrection is because they want to manipulate the terms, the legal terms embedded in the 14th Amendment, and they want to take down key members of the Republican Party like Marjorie Taylor Greene, like Jim Jordan, like Josh Hawley, like Ted Cruz, so many others who are key members of the Republican Party and who have stood firm and have been committed to standing firm on truth and who have exercised their power legitimately to object, they want to oust those members for absolutely no reason. And, and meanwhile, by the way, I tweeted on December 23rd when I saw this tweet. So three days later, I tweeted, this is their play. And the reason the Democrats narrative is falsely calling J6 a quote unquote insurrection. Meanwhile, the GOP will do absolutely nothing. Right. And here it is. This is, you know, three weeks later, 
And still, I haven't heard anything from Kevin McCarthy, from Ronna McDaniel, from Mitch McConnell. They're not taking this tweet, which, you know, let's let's go in here and let me actually look. Okay, this this tweet from Mark Elias, who's verified on Twitter, got 1,266, as of today, as of the recording of this podcast, 1,266 quote tweets, over 36,000, almost 37,000 likes, over 10,000 retweets, okay, and tons and tons of comments. And yet, I have not seen one member of the GOP push back on this and tell you what I'm telling you now. This is why the GOP loses. Because they are unwilling to stand up and say, wait a minute, no, we can call you out for your BS. We can say, no, this was not an insurrection. We can truthfully condemn violence. We can truthfully condemn breaking and entering. We can truthfully condemn occupying a public building without authorization. We can truthfully condemn any sort of crime, which the Democrats aren't even condemning crime. I mean, just today, the the new attorney general of or not attorney general the uh, the new DA in um in New York in New York City is saying that he's not going to punish uh anything other than murder and a couple of really heinous crimes by incarceration. I mean he's basically saying as a default standard I'm going to ignore the law and I'm not going to go after uh valid sentencing recommendations that are required or parameters, rather, that are required by the, the legislature. I mean, the Democrats don't care at all about the rule of law. They don't care about um, imposing any sorts of penalties. Why aren't they condemning uh, violence in their own states? Why aren't they funding the police? But do you see the, the hypocrisy? When it works for them, January 6th is the worst day ever. January 6th is every day. Let's let's take the entire week on mainstream media and let's pretend that this was the worst thing, you know, since the Holocaust in American history. Let's say that, you know, let's let's pretend that this is the worst thing um, or even way worse than 9-11. I mean, just outlandish sorts of things that absolutely don't match reality. And yet the violence in their own backyard, meh, we're, we're not going to we're not going to condemn that. We're not going to actually do anything with it. So why can't the GOP and this gets back to our, our little friend, Rosemary Potter, the beginning of this. Why can't we call out the GOP? And I am on this show. I am today. I am calling out the GOP for their spinelessness. You only had a handful of GOP members that actually stood firm and were willing, even on January 6th of last year, you know, Kevin McCarthy, Mitch McConnell, they folded. They didn't have the courage and the decency and the intestinal fortitude to say, we totally condemn what actually happened and the crimes, but we are not going to let the left manipulate this and abuse the American people and actually undermine their choice for their own members of Congress. We are not going to allow the left to manipulate the Constitution in this way. What are they doing? It's a year later, and Mark Elias and the Democrats are out there tweeting happily that we may even see litigation, and they are actively going to try 
to disqualify Republican House members based on a lie, based on an embellishment, and based on a false definition of a legal term embedded in the 14th Amendment. Where is the GOP? Why aren't they standing up? A few of them are. Very, very few. That's why I highly respect Marjorie Taylor Greene. I mean, I don't agree with anybody on absolutely everything. And so this isn't, you know, a wholesale endorsement of literally everything that she said, right? Because that's what the left likes to do as well. If you say you like somebody, oh, well, let me point out this tweet from like 15 years ago. Okay. No, I respect the fact that she, Jim Jordan, others are willing to stand up and stand firm and say, no, leftists, you are not going to take advantage of the citizens of the United States of America. We have to have free and fair elections. We have to make sure to protect our Electoral Count Act and the federal law and even higher above that, the U.S. Constitution and the process by which the states and the Electoral College select a United States president. We have to protect and preserve that, and we cannot allow the manipulation of the left to coerce us into cowering in a corner and staying silent when this is their plan. So as we head into this week, uh, this is the only podcast that I'm going to do on you know the January 6th um, quote-unquote anniversary, right, because um, we've, we've had January 6th um, since we've had the electoral Count Act. So uh, this is the only thing I'm going to do on this. We are going to continue to follow the unselect committee, um, any of this litigation that actually happens. But tomorrow and Friday, we're going to have a special episode on Friday. Normally, this podcast, as you know, is only Monday through Thursday. But tomorrow, we're going to talk about, even more importantly, the case being argued at the Supreme Court on Friday. So tomorrow I want to kind of do a deep dive into that. So get excited for that. And then on Friday, I'm going to be listening to the arguments. I'll be on Newsmax in the 9 a.m. Eastern hour if you want to tune in there uh, to preview it. I'm going to listen to the arguments and then have a debriefing on this uh, podcast. So a special, special episode on Friday. This is the next step that if the Supreme Court does not enforce the U.S. Constitution and enforce limited powers of government, then we will see the petty tyranny persist. Um, So this is all important, and we have to make sure that we keep the 14th Amendment in context. We keep the powers of the executive branch in context, uh, in textual authority, And this is why knowing our Constitution, knowing these legal terms, knowing the parameters of government absolutely matters. So as we head into 2022, I hope that you will join me tomorrow and Friday uh, for a breakdown of the OSHA mandate case at the Supreme Court. But remember, the lesson for today, do not allow the leftists to manipulate terms and definitely do not let them lie to you and falsely assert that January 6th was an insurrection. Not one person has been charged with insurrection or treason. It is an absolute farce, and they're doing it on purpose to undermine their political opposition. And if that's not domestic enemies, like what the Constitution says, I don't know what is. And before I go, I want to talk to you about my good friend Mike Lindell, speaking of someone who's standing firm and tells it how it is, and it has been a victim of cancel culture. 
He has been a great friend of this podcast, and going into 2022, I hope that you will go to MyPillow.com, use the promo code Jenna, and uh, get everything that you need uh, for 2022 from MyPillow. And right now, Mike Lindell has a towel offer because towels just don't seem to dry you anymore. Have you ever thought that, especially like me, the Colorado girl coming to the East Coast? Um, I've kind of noticed that actually, but with my pillow towels, which I have a whole set, I love them. They come in multiple colors. They are actually fabulous. They feel soft and they're kind of uh, lotiony in the stores. But um, when you get them home, they just don't absorb. Mike Lindell and my pillow found uh, out that around 2006 towels actually changed. They started importing them and adding softeners and other things to the cotton that made them feel good, but they just didn't work. So he found the best towel company right here in the USA. They have proprietary technology to create towels that feel soft, but actually work. They're all still made in the USA with USA cotton, and they come with a MyPillow 60-day money-back guarantee. So get your six-piece set. It's two bath, two hand towels, and two washcloths made in the USA. And regularly, uh, $109.99. Wow. Now, only $39.99, but you have to use the promo code Jenna. So go to MyPillow.com, click on the new radio listener specials, get deep discounts on all MyPillow products, including the towel offer. But use the promo code Jenna to tell Mike Lindell that you are thankful that he supports this show, that you heard about the offer here. Or you can call 1-800-564-8475. And remember, use the promo code Jenna. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.